Hello, and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. So be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, my name is Sage. I use she, they pronouns, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sandula and on Instagram at Sage.Sandula. Hi, my name is Claire. Um, my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Claire Crease. And hi, my name's Alyssa. Um, my pronouns are they, them. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Crash Wong. And welcome back to our favorite series. Girl Boss of the Week is a series that analyzes the nuance and details behind uh, female characters' motives and actions, as well as uh, diving into their impact on the larger Star Wars canon. Today's girl boss is Dr. Chelilona Afra, um, an archaeologist with a thirst for adventure and some questionable morals. Uh, Dr. Afra first appeared in issue three of Darth Vader 2015, a comic run that follows uh, Darth Vader's recruitment of Afra after the Battle of Yavin. Dr. Afra might be one of the um, female characters that we have the most canon information on. Um, as we know about the events of her life spanning from her young childhood up until the place we're at uh, with the Star Wars uh, Marvel comic runs. And that is what we're going to be focusing on today. Uh, You might have noticed our guest um, for today's episode, Alyssa Wong, is the writer of the current Afro comic run. um, And they're going to be chatting with us about Afro's life and about the series. Uh, so Alyssa, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, also, how did you get into writing um, Afro? What was appealing about her character to write? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so at the time, so when I was asked to write Afro, I was um, I wasn't I was sort of working in comics. Um, I was actually working in games at the time. Um, and uh, had sort of started just started to work. Um, in like doing very short Marvel uh, comics. Um, I My very first thing was co-writing a Wave and Arrow comic uh, with Greg Pak, who you might know uh, as the Darth Vader writer um, who's doing the current really fun run. Um, so uh, I was working with Greg's editor, um, Mark Panicia, and um, we did a couple of other things um, together that were pretty small and then Mark was like, hey, I'm looking for a writer um, to, you know, to write Dr. Afra. We're doing a reboot in um, 2020 and we're starting over from a brand new um, issue one after the incredibly fun and successful um, first run um, by uh, Kieran Gillen and Cy Spurrier. Um, anyway, are you interested? And I was like, absolutely. Um, you know, I was... I liked, I liked Afra. I thought she was super fun, but the thing that excited me the most about her is that she's not a good person. Um, I had just spent a lot of time, um, working on Overwatch, um, and, um, then writing more superhero stuff. And when you write a lot of superhero stuff, a lot of the times the people you're writing are just, they're really good people who are trying their best to do everything they can to make the lives of the people around them better. Um, and Afra is not that, <laughs> and I found that really appealing. Um, my background is in short stories, and I like to write 
short stories about people who um, who are very selfish and who are doing their best and trying their hardest, no matter what cost <laughs> that, you know, it, that anyone else has to pay, you know, like, you know, if they have to, if they have to burn down the world to get what they want, because they feel that that's the right thing for them, or for everybody else, like, that's the kind of character that I'm really into. Um, so yeah, it was, I like that she was complicated. I like that she was selfish. I liked that I mean, I was excited by the fact that she was a queer Asian character um, and she got to be incredibly complex and messy. And I just I just don't really get to see that very often. So the idea of writing her was very exciting to me. Yeah, especially in seeing that in Star Wars is so awesome, too, um, just because we don't really get a lot of that like in-depth um, character dynamic, especially with our like women characters. Um, and so she, her character is just so awesome. And she is really the definition of a girl boss, I would say. Um, <laughs> getting everything, that getting what you want by any means necessary is it's what we strive to highlight on, on this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, do, we do love uh, women who are just ruthless and ambitious. Um, my favorite. What's my favorite? <laughs> it's so, it's so great. Um, because yeah, I think a lot of our uh, female characters are very like hopeful and they're always doing what's right. And seeing Afra as kind of like this uh, foil to that is very, it's very fun. Um, and it gives even like Star Wars in general, especially like focusing on all the comics that are happening right now, it gives it like more of a, oh, here's, here's a, a woman doing this thing that a bunch of men have been doing in all the other comics. Um, and so I think that's really, that's really fun to see. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice. I feel like this era of Star Wars comics in particular is, um, I feel like it's, it's rich in girl bossing, <laughs> you know? So true. Um, my favorite girl bosses are girl bosses who are slightly to extremely terrifying. And I feel like we've gotten a nice, like, section of that um like Kira who I adore um with uh Domina Tag who shows up in my Afro run and like Afro herself like makes people uncomfortable which I I mean I would be uncomfortable too if like this is if I had to spend a lot of time with somebody who uh is really well known for stabbing people in the back like you know she doesn't play by the rules and that's so exciting to me I think she's so interesting too because like despite the fact that her entire reputation is like she stabs everyone in the back no one can trust her she's like only in it for herself there's still such a large group of people who like find themselves drawn to her and she always like has people there supporting her even though she hasn't really done anything to earn it most of the time and I think that's probably the most interesting part is like how people are so willing to like follow her and like go along with her crazy plans um even knowing that like maybe she's gonna betray them maybe she's gonna like go off on her own whatever and I think it's like speaks to sort of like the depth of these characters that she surrounds herself with and their ability to like see kind of beyond like just the surface level of who she is and like what she's actually wants and like what her life experiences have kind of like shaped her into the person that she is I think it's I think it's super cool um I don't know I just I find myself so attracted to characters who 
yeah who break the rules who like who get to have fun who like and who can drag other people into their schemes like I think Afra has such an intense force of charisma um you know like I think that she causes so much trouble it's like this vortex of oh no that drags everybody <laughs> into it um but at the same time I think the way she talks like you want to follow her on this adventure. You want to know what's going to happen, um, which I think is why like people from her past keep getting sucked into her mad schemes because she's like, let's just go. This is going to be great. And then at the end, they're like, oh man, you got me. And she's like, yeah, of course I got you. This is what I do. I wanted to kind of bring up um, Afra as like, as a character is very adventurous. She's always going out and putting herself and others in danger. But she also does that um, mostly for money, right? But she also has like um, this intense love for archaeology and for what she does. Um, and I wanted to know like how you balance writing that love and also her her girl bossery and her wanting to make money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, get that paper. Um, actually, I don't know. Is there paper in Star Wars? I actually don't. I actually don't know. That being said. Um, mm -hmm. I think whoever said that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life was full of BS. Um, and I think at the end of the day, even a girl boss has got to make money, right? Like, and you got to balance your passion with like survival. And luckily for Afra, she's got both, right? The way she makes money is by um, finding and selling um, these incredible artifacts. Um, and so I think she kind of gets to have her cake and eat it too. She gets to go on these like wild archaeological expeditions and get paid for it. And I mean, as a, as a former academic, I mean, there's nothing more you could really ask for than like a solid source of funding. <laughs> so for me, it's like um, the, the money is the impetus. Um, it's a spark that starts the adventure. Um, the girl bossing is what happens along the way. <laughs> um, and then and we just got to find out what happens. Um, so it's, I would say it is a balance, but it's less of a balance than more of like a, it's more of like these two things are sort of braided together, even though I guess you need a third thing to braid, but they, you know, they combine into one solid, interesting experience, I think. And you can't really have one without the other. Um, so that's how I balance it which is to say, I just kind of squish them together and find out what happens. And it works so well. It works <laughs> so great. <laughs> I, apologize, I apologize for my deranged brain metaphor, but you know. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. We, me and Claire are notorious for trying to speak through metaphors and mostly, mostly it's me and then Claire has to like cut out half of my conversations, but thank God for editing. <laughs> Um, I guess we could sort of continue along that line and talk about like Afra's relationships with like the other characters in this specific run because we have a lot of returning characters from like earlier Afra comics and also like crossover characters from the other comics right now and then completely new characters. Um, and so what do you think it is about like this group of characters that makes them so interesting and like how their dynamic like different dynamics between different people with Afra is like what drives the story along I think story is people right like 
you can't have story without characters. And there are a billion different theories on how you can build story, how you want to start building story, what the structure of a story should look like. But the thing that I'm always interested in is if you start with one person and figure out who they are, figure out how they impact the world and see that impact spread out across um, experiences, across like the way that they touch other people's lives, the way they affect those lives and the way they leave those other characters change. And so the effect just continues to spread out every time it hits somebody or something. That's sort of the way I build story. Um, so for me, um, Afra as a character, but also Afra as the series is all about the impact that this one person has had on the world around her and the lives around her and how that always comes back to just ruin everything. Um, I love a story that's about like how everything is your fault. <laughs> um, and um, one of my very favorite things about um, getting to essentially write a sequel um, to like Kieran Gillen and Size Burrier's incredible volume one of Dr. Afra is getting to look at everything they built and figure out what are really interesting organic ways to to pull all of those references and to play on all of those relationships and bring it into a new space with new people. Um, I think that in a concrete sense, right? Um, I love exes. <laughs> so, um, you know, I love ex exes of all kinds, ex-lovers, ex-friends, like, and I think that these two things can be equally powerful forces. Um, we talk a lot about like ex-girlfriends, ex-boyfriends, ex-partners, et cetera. Um, and I think that, you know, one thing that we don't talk about as much um, are like the really bitter, painful um, experiences of losing a friend or someone that you cared about or someone that you trusted. And um, that's something that I've been really excited to explore in this current run. Um, with Kofan Ferris, um, and actually with a lot of different people Afra has met over, over her adventures. Um, I'm, I'm very excited. I don't know, I don't know how spoilery I want to get here, but what I will say is um, something in this current run, um, in this current arc, um, that I'm really highlighting is uh, what happens when you have a group of people who all have like grudges against one person, one girl boss, one might say, and they all have to work together to, uh, <laughs> they all have to work together to help her out in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, what do you do when you, when like your biggest thing that you have in common is that you all hate somebody, you know? Is that enough of a driving force to get you where you need to go? Um, so even when Afra's not in the room or on, like on the screen, so to speak. Like I'm, I'm always, she's always present because all these people have been like, you know, they've been like screwed over by her or they've fallen in love with her or something or usually both. Um, so in that sense, like the, she's always, she's always there. Um, so kind of going off of that, I think something so interesting is everybody's different reactions to um, like, reuniting with Afra after she has, you know, betrayed them probably multiple times. 
um, we have some characters who are like, like Sana Staros is, is kind of like when she first appears in this run, she's uh, like, I want nothing to do with you, but I'll help you anyways, I guess. <laughs> um, and then we have um, Just Lucky, who me and Claire are obsessed with. <laughs> and he's kind of just like, oh, well, we just do this. Like, this is just something we do. We try each other over and over again. Um, love you anyways, but we'll do it again eventually. <laughs> um, what is, when you go to write these, like, scenes, what is your... Um, your goal what do you want to present to the audience like how different each character's reactions are and why is that important Mm, I think that's a really good question um I just think it's more exciting if everybody has a very different relationship to Afro that way it's not always every single person being like you you screwed me over I hate you for the exact same reason and I'm going to react in the exact same reason because then you end up with like if you have different reactions you end up with interesting tensions among the different characters who have grudges against Afro for whatever reason because I would say someone who's really bitter and like really really hates Afra, like I don't know say Kofan Ferris probably wouldn't be able to understand why Lucky is so chill about constantly being betrayed and betraying Afra. Um, um, I think that I just want to talk about Lucky real quick because I love him. Um, Please do. Please talk about Lucky. (laughs) So Lucky is one of my very favorite characters. Um, I really wanted to write somebody who, um, you know, who had been betrayed by Afra and was just super chill about it, you know? Like, um, it's this weird, like, it's this weird, like, mildly antagonistic, but kind of not really friendship that they have, where, um, you know, that's just what they do, and it's nothing personal, right? You leave someone to die, like, at this point, it's, it was your turn, like, it was, it was coming, you know, um, and I think they have the kind of relationship where if one of them actually did die, they would be pretty upset about it, um, because it's a game, um, it's, uh, I feel like uh, Afra and Lucky are sort of like, they're like the two troublemaking friends who like are always getting each other in way too deep and then throwing one another under the bus. Um, but at the end of the day, they're still going to go get drinks together. They're still going to have fun. Um, it's, it's a really, I just wanted to do something a little bit different than um, the purely antagonistic relationships that we saw a lot in volume one or after his like big first true love in volume one Magna Tolvin um who is lovely um but understandably like completely just like I can't I love you I hate you I can't handle you right now um I wanted somebody who had spent enough time with Afra to develop an interesting um but like ultra chill relationship um that wasn't specifically was not a romantic one that was something I really really wanted to do so yeah that's lucky yeah we're very obsessed with lucky like <laughs> sit here and talk about him the entire time but we can't do that um <laughs> I love um, him but he's not a girl boss <laughs> yeah debatable no I'm just kidding um, I mean <laughs> is a girl is girl bossing a state of mind because I have to say I kind of think it yeah. is Exactly. It is definitely a state of mind. It's <laughs> gender doesn't really come into play when girl bossing. It's just the term. 
<laughs> I also wanted to bring up, uh, I forget what exact issue it's in, but it's when they're at the like Crimson Dawn auction and <laughs> Vader is there. And Afra has this moment where she kind of like freaks out. And I think like for me, it stood out a lot because it's kind of a different side of her. Like she always tries to be so like, like laid back and like, oh, nothing can really get to me. I'm just like doing my thing. So why do you think having a moment like that is so important for her character, especially like at the point where she's at now? When they're at the Crimson Dawn auction, this is the first time that Afra has seen Vader since the end of volume one, where she left him imprisoned in like a hypercrystal, like horrible mind trap, uh, betrayed him and was like, next time you see me, you're definitely going to kill me. Anyway, gotta go. Bye. Um, <laughs> which I think, I think that it's that moment where you're like, you've ever had a moment where you're like, this is how I die. And you kind of have like a weird out of body experience where you're like, oh, this is really bad. This is definitely how I die. Like, um, I wanted to, I wanted to capture that. I wanted to capture the feeling of like having a panic attack. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted that moment where she sees Vader again. I wanted it to feel very impactful um, because it's not something that I think she can just kind of play off. Um, she's like, this dude is one of the most powerful entities in the galaxy. And if he sees me, like I'm just instantly dead. Like there's literally nothing I can do about that. Um, and she's not expecting to see him. So she's caught flat footed and I wanted to have a moment of intense vulnerability with Afra, um, because I think that when you have a fast talking character who's like, "Here are all my schemes. I'm just having fun," there's usually a there's usually something under there, like that's hiding something and protecting them from not just like the consequences of their actions, but also from like emotional intimacy and getting close and being real with people. So. In that moment, I wanted to crack the shell so we can really see who she is under there. And in that moment, Sana steps in and is the one who's able to reach her and calm her down and get her out of that situation. Um, so crack the shell, emotional intimacy, and then also get to see what these two people are like together, you know, and, and deepen that connection. That's my favorite stuff to do. I love that kind of stuff. There's just so many like layers to that whole scene and every, like love the entire little arc. Um, <laughs> but really that scene was just so impactful. I think a lot of the times we get um, in just media in general, we get characters who are female characters who are like, oh, nothing phases me. Like I'm like, just girl bossing um <laughs> yeah. and then when they when you do a lot of times we don't get those moments where you can actually see what's going on underneath and I think it is so important to show that and so when when you're reading that scene or and seeing it on the page it's very like oh wow I forgot that like this is somebody who actually is really mentally like there's something going on up there <laughs> like there's <laughs> she's gone through it um and uh you know sometimes when she's being quippy and you know snarky it's hard it's easy to forget that um 
And then so those moments are so important to just like draw you back in and realize like, oh, wow, this is someone who's gone through a lot and is is processing in, in her own way. Um, and sometimes that way is it's not, not enough. You know, you see Darth Vader walking into a room and yeah, she's like, you remember that time where he like shot me out of an airlock? Anyways. <laughs> yeah, like she's come so close to death with Vader so many times. And I think each time there's that, there's that bit in her brain where she's like, this could be it. I could just beef it. Like this could be the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that if you continue to luck out, eventually you're like, my luck's going to run out. And it's been good so far. Like, I'm probably out by now. Like, this is going to be it. Yeah, I think that based, you know, something you, you mentioned earlier um, is the, the girl, you know, the just girl bossing, the 1D girl bossing. Um, I think that a lot of times people think that acting tough is strength, but it's not. Like, it's just acting tough. Just because you pretend to be strong or you project strength doesn't actually mean you are strong. Um, and there's so many ways to be strong. Um, and I'm always interested in that. Like um, like with Afro, there's like the bravado and you kind of see it with Lucky too. Um, but I also think Lucky's much more emotionally uh, intelligent than Afro is. <laughs> um, but in that sense, I also think that it's very easy for Afro to lean into the like, yeah, I'm kind of just like an asshole. Like I'm kind of, you know, I do all this crazy stuff. You know, when I was a kid, I set my dad's house on fire. You know, I'm kind of messed up. Like I'm here to backstab you and have a great time. But those things aren't actually, as I said, they're not actually being strong or being tough. They're just ways of putting up walls because you're scared um and that's something that I'm planning on exploring later in Afra. so uh hope you're ready for it <laughs> super excited kind of nervous for the emotional damage but <laughs> I love emotional damage um and it's not it's not just because I love putting people through the ringer but I love exploring like I said I love exploring vulnerability and um I think that's when you really get to see like people's true strength shine, um, how they react to intense pressure and how they react to the people around them, either trying to help them or trying to hurt them, can tell you so much about them. And Afra's walls are all because she doesn't want to be hurt. Um, there's a, in the audio drama by Sarah Kuhn, um, which I love, um, and which is also the thing that uh, got me to love uh, Sana Staros, also peak girl boss, um, the, the audio drama describes, um, Afra falling in love with Sana in, like, their university days, and when she realizes how deep, like, her love and her care for Sana is, and how invested she is, her, uh, her reaction is to immediately, like, rip cord out of the situation, just eject, she's like, I gotta go, and I'm not gonna tell you anything about why I'm doing it, I'm just gonna go, because to confess, how much you care about someone is to be vulnerable and when you are vulnerable you can be hurt um and in some ways that's scarier than vader showing up at a party that you're at you know because vader can just vader can will kill you and it's going to be awful and and horrible 
but when you're vulnerable with somebody, they can hurt you so badly that you're going to feel it for the rest of your life and it's just going to ruin you. So like, I think that's also really exciting. That's a really exciting thing to me. (laughs) But you're so right. Like, you're so right. (laughs) I think it's a very um, integral part of, of storytelling is to like, oh, let's put the character through the ringer. Let's make them be vulnerable and then see what happens. Um, what it, how are these relationships going to uh, heal or break uh, based on this vulnerability? And I'm excited to see more of it. <laughs> Yay, I'm, I'm so glad <laughs> uh, because I am too. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, do you, when you went to, uh, when you first signed on to the project, do you have like the entire series planned out or are you kind of like have like some ideas and then you're kind of making it up as you go along a little bit more or is there like a balance how's your process oh man um so I have um I have some ideas um and then I pitch arcs so I'm like here's issues one through five um so like fortune and fate the rings of veil arc um that was actually, that was the hardest one for me because, you know, it's the establishing arc, all new characters, all new stakes, like, and also trying to work my way into the voice of a character that I've never written before um, professionally. So like, it's, it was exciting. It was a lot of back and forth. I would, I was like, here's my pitch doc. Here's what I want to happen. Here's like what I'm thinking. What do you think? So the pitch doc isn't just the like, here's what I'm doing. It's the opening of a conversation. Um, so that went to my editors at Marvel. We had some back and forth, did some revision. Um, and then when we felt it was ready, we sent it to Lucasfilm, more back and forth, more talking. What if we tried this instead of that? And then by the end of it, after all those revisions, we have something that is essentially like a rough outline, um, where it's like, here's, here here's like a couple sentences of like what this arc is about and what happens. And then I would go through issue by issue and be like, here's the rundown of what happens in each issue. And that's like, that's my process. And then I have to write it and hope that it doesn't change as I'm writing it because it usually does. <laughs> Matt Martin, you better not be listening to this. Um, but <laughs> it's it's a really fun process. And the thing I like about it is that it's so dynamic and it's alive and it's it's real-time collaboration and that's something that you don't get in a lot of other kinds of writing um which are much more solo you know um so that's my process i i pitch an arc i hope it goes well um and then i have a bunch of based on what happens and how that goes i have like other ideas and i'm like maybe this one maybe that one maybe this one um i think um I did know, and sometimes they'll be like, we want something specific from you. So for the first arc, I was like, tell me what you want. Please tell me what you want. Um, and um, they were like, well, new crew, new adventure. Let's 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 do it. Let's um let's get back to Afra's roots. And how do you feel about like an just like an old school archaeological rumble? I don't think they said it like that, but that's pretty much what they said. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, it's my favorite stuff. So the first arc, Fortune and Fate, Rings of Veil, is it's an old school, like Indiana Jones style, like, let's go find some ruins. Let's go on a cool archaeological adventure. Um, 
but there's a lovely undercurrent of horror because that's my favorite thing. <laughs> um, so it's like, I'll give you something spooky and like weird and fun. You can really get that Indiana Jones like flavor. Um, so yeah, I also, I will say um, the current arc that's going on right now, um, I pitched originally as the Fast and Furious X's. So, um, <laughs> okay, slightly nervous. <laughs> people, hey, people were super down for it. So I was like, all right, um, I guess this is, I guess what's important is family, so to speak. We love yeah. a found family. We really do. Star Wars at its core. <laughs> That's true. Star Wars is about relationships, I think. So those are the stories that always work best for me. Um, you can't really girl boss without a supporting cast. I'm just saying. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree, though. Like you said, Star Wars is about relationships. And I feel like sometimes people get so caught up in like, oh, these like galaxy ending events and like empires and rebellions and whatever. But like literally from the beginning, it's just been about people. Um, And so I really like that this particular Afro run is really like like exploring that and exploring like how this one person who literally has screwed over everyone in the entire galaxy at this point how she is like maintaining relationships at this point and how people are like viewing her in different ways um and just yeah like she literally like she's so interconnected in the universe like she's had run-ins with like Luke Skywalker, Leia, Harrison Dula, like literally everyone ever and so I feel like now she's kind of at this point where like what like what's she doing now like I feel like like she literally has worked with Vader every crazy thing that could ever happen to her has happened and so how do you like kind of ground a story after so much crazy stuff has happened and been like and be like okay but where do we want to go from here like what's the next step in the life of someone who has already done so much yeah I mean that's a really good question um I mean I don't know if this is a particularly good answer but it's an honest answer, which is that in some ways I, I don't really think about it that much because you have all these things that have happened to her and they all are, are all really important. But also, you know how like maybe you have that friend who has like had a bajillion crazy things happen in their life um, and then you know that going forward there's going to be a bajillion crazy things in their life, but for them it's just normal. Um, that's kind of how I feel about Afra um where yeah like all this incredibly wild stuff has happened to her and maybe I love looking back at previous stuff and then pulling threads in to build something going forward um at the same time I feel like the most exciting thing is to build brand new stuff and like see what's gonna happen um so right now Afra is on um well right now Afra's occupied so to speak. But um, we've been exploring uh, like the the tech of this weird like uh, weird like dark side tech force cult. Um, basically this group of people who um, were trying to replicate Sith force powers um, through technology. They're called the Ascendant and um, you know we've been exploring that and just sort of chasing that forward. Um, as new story opportunities present themselves. Um, I do write in a kind of chaotic way in the sense that I'm like, let's find out what happens here and then maybe pitch something based on that. Just 
let's just find out, like, let's just find out what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but with Afra, for someone who's lived so much and done so much in so short of a time, um, the thing I think about going forward is, like, whatever happens has to have a lasting impact on her as a person. Um, so even if, even if I pitched, I don't know, a very quiet adventure, a very quiet arc um, that is mostly like character stuff and introspection, like, which I haven't done, but if I was to do it, I would do it only if I knew that it was a very high stakes sort of engagement and um, if there was gonna be a lasting emotional impact. Um, that was a very long way of saying like, I think about it sometimes, <laughs> um, but ultimately there's so much joy in, in, in innovation, right? Like that's what that's what's so exciting about like the High Republic stuff. Um, and I've been very lucky because when I ask like Lucasfilm and Marvel, I'm like, hey, can you give me suggestions for like old things to bring in? They're like, yeah, we could, or you could make something up that's brand new. And that's my favorite thing. So I'm always making up new stuff, just, you know, because why not? It's unexplored for sure, because it's never existed. And that's my way of getting around all of that. I also love all the little High Republic references in, <laughs> you know, we're High Republic fans here. Um, <laughs> you say as you have like five High Republic posters <laughs> on the wall directly behind you. Okay, well, <laughs> what if I told you I have three of those? Like. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was going to say, <laughs> but anyways, um, <laughs> collaboration though, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. How was collaborating uh, for War of the Bounty Hunters when you wrote for Afro and that? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> that was, that was exciting. So it was my first big crossover event, which um, I know are very popular in comics, but like it was the first one I'd done. And I think for everybody, all the other comics writers, I think they'd all done several um, to several too many before. <laughs> um, and um, so they're all veterans and I love them and their work is really cool. So my favorite part of the crossover event was getting to have those meetings where we'd talk about like what we want to happen and like getting, for me, getting to learn all these new tricks from all these people who've done this before. Um, but it was very challenging. There's <laughs> a lot of comics a lot of ongoing comics and a lot of one shots that all sort of had to knit together really organically, even though we weren't necessarily all at the exact moment in time in all of our different comics lines. How do we get everyone into a room together, have something interesting and impactful happen without anybody also like killing each other? Um, so it was like a very delicate balancing act. I had a great time. Um, and my solution for Afro was like, I really wanted to write something that felt very self-contained and also you could read without and understand without having read the crossover, um, but would make you want to read the crossover because it's interesting. Um, so sort of like the standalone but aligned kind of approach. Um, Charles uh, Sewell, who, I mean, was spearheading it um, and is incredible. Um, was sort of outlining all of his plans. He had the hardest job because he had to be like, here's, what's ha here's what happens. What do you guys want to do within that structure? And then we'd say, here's what I want, but this is what I need to happen in order to 
make it happen. And he'd go, okay. And then he would have to rework his stuff in order to accommodate us. So he was also, he was like driving the car and then also rebuilding it based on what the kids of the passenger seat were like, we want to do this. Um, it was very exciting. It was very difficult. Personally, I thought it was really hard, but the way I got around it for Afro was um, to set everything within about one hour's time span um, at this big auction party that Kira's holding. I was like, I could try to span this like with a, a lot of time. I can't remember which one it was, whether it was Bounty Hunters or Vader, um, but some of them, like one of the comics or maybe both of those comics had a large amount of time before that and then they hit the auction or like a large amount of time before hit the auction and a large amount of time afterwards. It was very, very complicated. And I was like, I'm not gonna deal with that. I'm just gonna, African get up to five issues of trouble in one hour. Like, I believe it, it's gonna be great. <laughs> I just wanted to go to the fancy party and I thought she might enjoy that too. <laughs> Seeing Afra and, and Sana in their like little cloaks was just so cute. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, they're having a good time at a party. Um, but I think it worked really well. I really do. It was, uh, <laughs> um, and I also just think that the idea of like Kira selling Han Solo is still <laughs> so funny to me. Um, but I loved how that was just kind of in that little arc. It was like just a little part. Like, oh yeah, they're selling on solo. <laughs> anyway, we're going over there. I know, it was crazy. Um, I feel like uh, one of the best parts of writing Star Wars comics is um, that everybody, like all of my coworkers are awesome. They're so brilliant. And I love getting to learn from all of them. Um, yeah, also I love Girl Boss Kira. Like I've mentioned it before, but I love Girl Boss Kira. Actually, if you're okay with it, I'd love to, uh, you mentioned the High Republic and also collaboration. I'd love to talk a little bit about that if you're cool with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess mild spoilers for um, High Republic stuff, but um, there is a giant tree in um, Afra issue eight, I think. Um, yeah, it's issue eight where uh, Afra and Sana are trying to track down um, an old uh, High Republic era Nile hyperdrive or what they think is one. Um, and it brings them to this like forest planet, um, which is really cool. There's a giant tree with a bunch of like Nile ships that are like in stuck in it, like embedded in it, like huge overgrown forest. It's beautiful. Um, it's uh, the planet is called uh, Dollarhide. Uh, it's <laughs> named after my friend and sci-fi fantasy writer uh, Kate Dollarhide. Um, but um, it's it's gorgeous. Um, and if you're reading the High Republic, uh, that is also the planet. Um, <laughs> that is the planet um, you see in the High Republic adventures. Um, and the ship that gets stuck at the top of the tree is Crick's Camarat's uh, ship. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because Daniel Jose Holder texted me and was like, "Hey, I like that. I like that. I like that planet. I like that tree. Can I can I borrow it?" And I was like, "Yeah, you can. The only thing I'm asking is that you show me what you want to do because I want to see it. <laughs> you do whatever you want." Um, so I'm a huge DJO fan. He's so funny. Um, 
he's also like we know each other from like way back which is wild back back when we were both uh solely doing sci-fi fantasy stuff um so he's he's just such a delight he's so funny he's so kind and so smart so in terms of collaboration like we're always texting each other stupid stuff um yeah I mean I can't no spoilers but uh (laughs) I would say um in terms of getting like High Republic tie-in stuff um he uh in Midnight Horizon um there's this fancy party that a whole bunch of like the city founders are at and one of them is a tag um and he had texted me and was like hey do you mind if I make one of these like you mind if I make an ancestor tag like the tags in in your afro run and I was like please do that is dope so yeah I mean it's been it's been wild I'm like if you want if you want me to put anything in this I absolutely will so we just kind of text each other back and forth and trade stupid stuff (laughs) that's so fun and so awesome we are also DJO fans on this podcast um (laughs) wanted to talk about Lula and Zine a few months ago and um I cried a little bit so it's fine oh. really an episode oh. <laughs> like maybe the whole episode <laughs> it was fine um yeah that's super cool super excited for any more little high republic easter eggs in there hopefully one day you'll maybe write for the high republic <laughs> hey that would be super rad um, who do I email for that <laughs> call me Lucasfilm <laughs> you literally already have my number <laughs> I think if I could write any High Republic characters um I would want to write Cantum Psy my favorite mm-hmm. my angel perfect perfect Jedi perfect parent so kind just the best also a beast which I love if I wasn't gonna write Cantum Psy I would want to write Heat Girl Boss Crash Angwa, um, and Svino, because Svino is so, so cute, and she's so scary. I love her. She's a delight. I love that she's a pop star, and also, like, she's super cool. Vanish into the shadows, like, a threat with a blaster, like, big babe material, honestly. <laughs> Just imagining, like, a little High Republic Adventures esque series like <laughs> Spino and Crash's like adventures through Corellia. Mm, Lucasfilm, we already have your whole series planned out. Ah, that'd be so fun. And the contract. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Afra. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, not your fault. Not your fault. We, we literally are incapable of staying on topic like in every episode. So people already know what they're getting into. <laughs> It's kind of on brand. I think it's a part of our little, we had a bingo card a while back. <laughs> and I think one of them was getting off topic um, because we've been talking about the High Republic. <laughs> it's just, it just happens. We have to talk about it. Um, Claire, do you have any questions to steer our direction? This is also somewhat unrelated to Afra, um, okay. <laughs> but about like just the general, like all the Star Wars comics that are going on in this era right now. Is there any like character or set of characters that if you were like, yeah, I would want to write for them, like they are the most interesting to me? Oh, this is so difficult. Um, it's difficult because uh, when that happens for me, usually it's because I've seen somebody else write them. 
so I'm torn because I'm like I want to write them but also I don't because I want I want to be able to read them you know um let me think I could write anybody you know I'd love to write Fennec um you know she's not I don't think she's in any of the comics right now so I don't know if that's the right answer but it is an answer I mean I'd love to do like a Bausch miniseries or a uh, Domina Tag miniseries um I would say yeah I mean this is a really hard question it's very simple but it's very difficult because I do want to write but I really want to read every character I'm like oh how about Kira I'm like but if I write Kira then I miss out on reading Charles write Kira so double-edged sword what can I say <laughs> um, yeah there's just like so much going on right now and so many like like I only started reading Star Wars comics probably like last year and I'm already like there are like 30 new characters who I'm obsessed with who I didn't even know about until I started reading comics like it's crazy how much is going on oh I forgot about Vakora. of course I want to write Vakora again I miss her my me and Ethan are sharing joint custody of this baby. <laughs> this evil, angry, angry sapphic baby. Um, so yeah. Yeah, obsessed with her. <laughs> she's great. She's so good. I don't know. I'm curious because she started out as I feel like she was a like an arc one bounty hunters villain. And I was like, she's cool, she's scary, she's cool. But as time has gone by, I'm like, this is my girl, you know, like she's my girl. <laughs> no, I was the exact same way with her. Like I was like, oh, she's really like scary girl boss, whatever. And now I'm like, maybe I'm literally obsessed with her. Like maybe yeah. she's everything to me. I know. New helmet. I feel like she's gotten hotter, which I apologize. I'm so sorry, Ethan. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Like. I do think she's gotten more, I do think she's gotten more appealing because I think we're getting more of that interiority. Like, Ethan writes her really well and, like, has built in a lot of, like, really sad emotional stuff in her past. And I'm just like, give it to me. I want it. Love it. So, yeah, Vicora, because uh, that's like catnip to me. I can't resist it. Um. Another question that really doesn't really relate to Afra. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> For most of the week, we just, we stray from our topic. But in writing the, the series in general, um, this is a queer Star Wars podcast. Um, when you, you obviously have written a lot of LGBT characters for Star Wars. And we're, we're obsessed with all of them. Um, but we were talking earlier about like representation and how you go about it. and um, like just kind of in general being like oh like we don't have to have these perfect queers you know like Afra's not a very great person like we've been talking about but she's still excellent representation she's still a a sapphic character who has these on-page relationships and exes um so when you go to write a character especially a queer character what is your what do you want to translate to the audience? I think I want to touch on what you talked about. So I think the thing that I always want to do, and also this ties into why I think Afra's good representation, is when I write a character, I want them to be a full person. Um, I think that um, the reason Afra is such 
great representation is that she is somebody with depth, right? Like she's complicated, she's relatable, she's messy, she's exciting. Like I think that it can be really thrilling to, you know, cut loose and be bad for a while. Um, I think that there is this pressure to have like a to have like perfect queer representation. But I don't think that perfect queer representation necessarily means that all of the characters have to be good people. Um, because ultimately, I think that the thing that we are actually pushing back against is characterization of queer people as like one note, bad, like all the stereotypes, right? Like the queer person's always the one who dies, et cetera. Like we just wanna see people who we can relate to, um, who are interesting, who are inspiring, who are good, who are bad. Like you want the whole gamut because we just wanna be seen. And I think that's really what representation is about. So it's not just like, oh, here's my one queer character in the cast. I guess that's me because I don't really have any other choice. Um, I think true representation only comes when you have enough instances of people and characters and also creators who are making a wide variety of, of work where you can be like, not all of these are me, but some of them are. And they don't all have to represent me, you know? And I think that also is important in terms of like easing the burden off of queer creators as well. Um, because I think that, I don't know, there's a big, there's a big thing about like, if there's only one kind of representation that we're pushing for, um, then everybody is being forced to only build that one thing. And we're not actually building a wider range of representation for a wider range of people to be able to relate to. Um, all that being said, Afra's a bad person. It's great. <laughs> um, and I think that it is, I mean, that's the thing that drew me to her in the first place. Um, I could see somebody who was like me, but just like, but a whole, but a whole entire person. And I know I've said this before on this podcast, but like, I think that when I'm writing Afro, the book, not just Afro, the character, um, that's the thing I love about having a cast that is basically like entirely queer. You get a range of, you get this wide range of characters who all interact with the world differently. They all have opinions about each other. They're not all friends, but sometimes they are, you know? Um, and and I love that because it's a kind of freedom that I've never had while writing for somebody else's IP ever. You know, you're not siloed, you're everywhere. And and that's like, that's the most exciting thing to me. Um, that's why I want more people to write more queer characters of all kinds. It's also why like, <laughs> it's also why I keep writing non-binary characters and stuff, I'm like, gotta be more gotta be more <laughs> no exactly especially yeah because like I could read like Cantum Psy who I love so much you know um but but they're they're a lot different than Co. you know <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um and love Cantum Psy but I am not as level-headed as them maybe I am a little bit on the crazier side like Co is and I think that's very you know um like you've been saying, so important to have a, a range within the diversity that, you know, people can not just like find themselves in, 
because they happen the character happens to be queer but also because they are a full character Mm -hmm. um and they have qualities that people can relate to and find themselves in I you know I don't think that every character has to be aspirational you know they can just they can just be fun (laughs) no exactly (laughs) is there anything that you want to discuss that we haven't gotten to yet anything you've been wanting to tell the world (laughs) oh man uh it's funny because I always feel like talking about this stuff always feels so self-indulgent which is why I really appreciate you guys asking questions because I'm just like um I mean this one is actually super self-indulgent but I want to know who your favorite character who your favorite character in my Dr. Afro run is it's it's just lucky (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah uh oh my god see because I've had like an attachment to Sonastaro since like early Afro days like when I first started like getting into her character but maybe it's also just lucky (laughs) (laughs) oh my god this makes me so happy because I feel like just lucky is very polarizing some people are like I love this guy and a lot of people are like I hate this man so much I hate him so much and I'm like but why would not be us (laughs) I hate lucky what (laughs) how sad I don't why would you hate him he's literally just a guy like he's he's literally just a guy I feel like it's like I love him because he starts out like oh he's just some funny guy whatever and then like once you get into it you're like no actually there's so much going on there and it's all really like tragic I love him he's my everything and that makes me so happy makes me so happy to hear um I, I love him a lot he was the first character that I think I came up with when I w- they were like, can you make a, build us a brand new cast? I was like, oh yeah, oh, I'm so excited about this. Um, and I did, but he was the very first one. I'm like, I, I was thinking about who I, who I thought would be fun to like pair Afro with, like, and, and play off of like weird dynamics and stuff. And I was like, just immediately, I was like, this is the guy. And I was able to build out from there. Um, this is a very stupid, funny story, but, um, so his uh his on and on again off again question mark it's complicated uh x um ariel was actually not supposed to be part of the main run <laughs> um he showed up uh he made his first appearance uh in i want to say like issue nine eight or nine or so i don't remember he shows up on one page or two pages and he's like here i am I'm your terrible ex. Did you know that actually you're doing bad stuff and it's going to come bite you in the butt and it's going to be real bad? Um, Anyway, he's like, I'm here. I'm being like an asshole. It's great. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I was going to exit him. I was like, okay, he's just going to like maybe be in one more issue and then he's going to leave. And I ran out of space to get rid of him. So like, I like, I, it was, it was too tight. There was no room for him to leave. So he was just there. And so, anyway, I love, I love Ariel. I love Ariel a lot. Um, but <laughs> he got to stick around and he's been there ever since, like, ongoing. Because I just ran out of page space to, like, give him an out. And now he's, he's, and he's just here. And I love him. So, 
it's my stupid Ariel story um I'm obsessed with that yeah I love (laughs) I love we were just talking about this earlier um I forget what issue number it is already but like the flashbacks of um Lucky and Ariel are literally the cutest thing I have ever seen (laughs) oh thank you I wanted to do something really sweet and, and heartbreaking um I was um just writing right and I was kind of like oh they're exes and he's Lucky's probably got exes everywhere like I don't know and then when Ariel stuck around I was like okay I gotta figure out like what actually happened here <laughs> um and I was just like wow this dude hates your guts what happened the more I thought about it I was kind of playing it off like the breakup was bad you took it way worse than you did you know um like Lucky's like you know it happens it's whatever and Ariel's like I'll never forgive you and then I figured out I was like oh actually I know what happened and I want this scene to be the moment where everybody goes oh that's what happened you're the villain like oh you messed up Lucky this was you this isn't on this isn't on him like he's completely justified this is a hundred percent your fault um and I would say ghosting somebody after they were like I love you and maybe let's get married is a pretty good reason (laughs) to be I mean it's I would be salty too (laughs) yeah I love characters who are emotionally constipated and keep pushing people away and uh this this book is full of them Afra and Lucky and yeah I think one of my favorite things about Lucky is like his um like brotherhood with his brother like he's mm-hmm. so like will do it he, he is doing everything for his brother really um and just kind of his like big sibling energy yeah. um in general like with everybody especially with Afra like anytime they're I think it was I can't remember what issue was but when they um are leaving each other Afra has shot lucky ship he can't <laughs> <laughs> and they're like oh like they're pointing their guns at each other but then like oh it's fine we'll just leave and uh, <laughs> and then Sana was like wow I'm surprised that you didn't kill Lucky and Afro was just like yeah we like kind of try to kill each other all the time but it would be really unfortunate if one of us succeeded I was <laughs> like, that is so like sibling energy <laughs> um just like like fighting with your like teenage siblings and mm-hmm. being like oh but if something happened to you I'd be like kind of upset <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's why I love their dynamics so much their relationship it, it's it's one of my favorite things um I feel like Lucky and Afro are sort of inverses um like they're very similar in a lot of ways but they're also their priorities are kind of like inverted um in the sense that like I think Afro's like I'm a bad guy I do bad guy shit I'm so bad. And then occasionally it's like, oh God, I guess I have to do something good. Like, oh, conscious is growing in me. Get it out. Ew, I hate it. Oh, fine. Fine. I'll do something good or whatever. Um, and uh, and Lucky is, Lucky is, I think, somebody who would like to be a good person, but also is like, I can't afford that. That's not something I can do, you know? being good is a luxury that we just don't have. Um, I have to survive. I have to take care of all these people. So I'm going to be a bad guy because I don't have another choice, but I'm not going to like, I can't, I'm not going to cry about it. Like, it's just, I just 
I just wish things could be different. And I love that. I love that for them. <laughs> it makes their dynamic really fun. Um, because even though they ostensibly on like surface level seem like they'd want the same things, there's a pretty big like idealistic or ideological split. Um, so I'm excited and I can't wait to see what's gonna happen with that. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Um, that was a little bit ominous. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm excited too. Now I'm a bit nervous, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was also in that scene earlier that I was talking about that, um, that Sana and Ariel are like, hey, you're cool. Next time you're in town, like, let's go for drinks <laughs> as, as Afra and, and Lucky are like about to kill each other. I need to them. They're so great. <laughs> Yeah, I think they get along. They get along really well. This is what happens when you have a scumbag ex, and it's literally all their fault. <laughs> I think they'd be good friends. One hundred percent, I agree. <laughs> Any wrap up questions, Claire? I don't know. I was just gonna say if either of you has any final thoughts about like Afra's character, the comics in general. I love Afra. I think we've made that clear. Um, I think in general, um, this series is is really such a good, like, I don't want to say it's a slice of life because there's so much happening, but in comparison to like some of the other comic runs where they're all so interconnected and something's happening with each one, every issue, this one is very much like, yes, I get to focus on my girl boss and her queer friends that hate her. Like that is <laughs> it's really... It's a really good, um, just like fun time. Um, <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'm like, wow, that was that hurt a little bit. Um, but you know, for the most part, <laughs> that's a really good time. Um, and I just love that. I think that's a really fun way to explore such a dynamic character and one that has so much like nuance to her like backstory and her mental state all the time and how she copes with you know being in danger constantly um and kind of being the reason why she's in danger constantly she she does a lot of things to herself um and you're just kind of like reading and you're like girl you put yourself here like why would you do that um but but we love her anyways. <laughs> Those are our final thoughts. It really is always her fault. Even when it essentially isn't, it is kind of always her fault. <laughs> Afra is very precious to me, I think, um, because um, she means so much to so many people. And because, um, because I loved getting to know her in that first run that Kieran incited, um, it's a it's a big challenge to fill two very big pairs of shoes. Um, but I think what I've learned by doing Afra is that like you have to just run with what you enjoy. If you're not having fun, it's gonna show on the page. Um, and if you are having fun, I think it does show on the page. Um, I think for me, the lesson with Afra is like it's okay, you don't have to be anybody else, right? Like I I am not Kieran and I'm not Sai. Um, and I'm just me. And so is Afra. Um, and I I enjoy writing her. I just have so much fun. She's such a mess. 
it's really fun like afro is my space to like cut loose and just have fun um and especially during these very very intense few years very intense many years um you know it's it's really it feels special to have a place where i can just dig really deep into people's relationships um and get to know all these characters and build something that hopefully makes other people happy even if it's just for a little bit of time while they're reading this comic um yeah i mean i think that i think the one element effort is missing is the gatekeep part of girl boss gaslight and gatekeep right and or in reverse so i did i did actually break this down i was like which one of the girl bosses is like gaslight gatekeeping girl boss um I think Afro is Gaslight. I think Domina is Girl Boss. <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe Vakora's Gatekeep? Like, <laughs> I'm not sure. That one's hard. But um, it is really fun. I like writing all these messy queer characters, and I am forever grateful um, that somebody wanted me to write this particular Girl Boss. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and so grateful to everybody who wants to like read these comics. Um, you know, your passion is just so, it's so inspiring. It makes me so happy. I mean, I just love Afra. That's really <laughs> what I do. Um, yeah, I feel like, I don't even know. I have so many thoughts about her. I'm really glad to see like, like there's so many other characters who are kind of like the supporting characters, or, like the supporting cast of like, all the previous Afro runs and like even like the audio drama and everything else that's like come before this I mean I'm always gonna be a Sana Staros stand first and foremost so like any opportunity for her to do anything I'm like give it to me I want to see more of her at all times um and she's like one of the like earlier like Afro characters like she's been around she knows Afra better than probably anyone at this point um and so yeah I think it's really cool to see like characters like that for who are like from her past and like other characters from her past that we didn't know about yet and then also like completely new characters who she's never interacted with before sort of getting to like be the sort of like fresh perspective on her and like where she's at now um and yeah I think like we've been saying this whole time like it really is about the characters like in the midst of all these plot lines and crazy things that are happening like it's really just boils down to like Afra and her relationships to the people around her and then by extension of that like their relationships to each other um and so I think that that's definitely what like sticks out to me the most about her story and then just this story that's being told in general right now thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions please feel free to send us questions you can DM them to us on Twitter Instagram or TikTok if you enjoy our podcast please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify we'd really appreciate it We'll link all of Alyssa's social media in the episode notes, so make sure you go check them out and support their work. Once again, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode.